1: time now for New Hope Radio on AM 1100 KFAX. This program is the radio ministry of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, a place of healing and restoration. Now here's today's message of hope.
2: There's really only two paths. Either you are faithfully married to God, your husband, the one that is always faithful to you, or the other path is really that you're just living in adultery. There really is no middle ground. There's no religious singles when it comes to how God views this. There's no, well, I'm just waiting for the right one. We're either submitted to him and we are faithfully married to him or we're living in adultery. So I want to read chapter two, verse six and seven. So again, now Gomer has completely turned her back. She's living this life. She's living in an adulterous affair. She's turned her back on her whole family. And this is what the Lord is saying now to his people. For this reason, I will fence her in with thorn bushes. I will block her path with a wall to make her lose her way. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but not find them. Then she will think I might as well return to my husband for I was better off with him than I am now. So what the Lord is saying is saying, listen, I love my people so much because I think some of us have experienced this in our life. I know I have. Where God loves us so much. Real love is never forced. God will never force you to love him. And if we get to a place where we are choosing to go in the opposite direction, God will say, fine. If that's what you want, go ahead. But as we can see here, he's saying, let her reap what she shows. But I guarantee you this, the the path is not going to be easy. The path is going to be full of thorn bushes. The path is going to be blocked. And 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 my desire is that hopefully she'll get to a place where she'll see, oh, I have no other choice but to turn back to my one true love, my husband. How many know that, man, when we choose that other path, it is never easy. Even Even before we came to a place where we knew the Lord, right? Life is just tough without him. When we're trying to live life on our own, man it just does not go good so he says let her reap what she sows and in verse 8 chapter 2 verse 8 i love this because really to me this is god he's crying out now to his people and listen to what he says here he says she doesn't realize it was i who gave her everything she has The grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave my gifts to Baal. God's saying, don't you realize that every good thing that you have in your life is from me? The Bible says this, the Bible says that every good and perfect thing is from the Father above, the Father of the heavenly lights. You see, we have to understand this, you guys, because what it says here, says, he says, I even gave her silver and gold, but she gave them to Baal. Baal represents the idols. See, an idol is this, you guys. An idol is anything that we put before God in our life is an idol. Anything. Anything. See, when we hear the word idol, we think of, all this negative voodoo type of stuff. No, anything that you put above God in your life is an idol. Even the very things that he blesses you with can become an idol in your life. If you put the blessing in front of the blesser, we have to make sure that we never, ever do that. That we are to honor and to worship the blesser. The blessings are great, but if we put the blessings in front of the blesser, we're turning the blessings, the very thing that God is meaning to be good in our life to an idol, which means that those very things we can turn into a curse in our life. And I feel like today we need to de-idolize some things in our life. Not, Not necessarily things that are bad. Our job, our home, our security. Our children, our spouse, all these things can become idols if we're putting them before God. And I believe that God is saying today, he said, listen, I love to bless you. I desire to bless you, but don't put those things before me. The very one who's given you everything you have. So in verse 14 through 16, so we see what's happening with Gomer. We see that she's turned her back on Hosea. And this is, this is the love of God. Now this is God's heart, his desire. This is him crying out to what he longs to do in this relationship. Even though his people have turned their back, this is now what God is saying, but this is what I want to do for you. Okay. So let me read this. It says this, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Oh, that's powerful. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young. When I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord... You will call me my, my husband instead of my master. We got, we got to look at this, you guys. This is so powerful. This is God saying, this is what I want to do. I know that you've turned your back on me. I know you're living in adultery, but, but my heart is this, that I want to win you back. See, God will do whatever it takes to win us back. He loves us. This is the heart of God, you guys, because once we, we turn our back to God, I've been there before in my life where I've ran from God, and I feel so ashamed of it. I feel, God, you, you don't even want me back anymore because I've just time and time again, I'm just caught up in my That's not God. That's the enemy trying to lie to you. God always wants you to turn to him. Even if it's 10 times or 100 times a day for the same thing, he still wants you to turn to him. So God is saying, but, but, but I want to win her back. And this is what he says. He says, I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will lead her into the wilderness, into the valley, to be able to speak tenderly to her there. You got to get this, you guys, because some of us right now, we're in a desert season in our life. We feel like, we feel like we're in the wilderness. We feel like we're just in a valley season. But for a lot of you, It's the Lord himself that is leading you to this place. Why? Number one, it's because he loves you. To speak tenderly to her there. The word in Hebrew here, to speak tenderly, literally means to speak to her heart. God will lead us into a place to get us isolated, to get us alone, so that he could finally speak to us and we can hear his voice. He'll do whatever it takes. See, this is the love of a husband. This is the love of God that that he's willing to lead us into the wilderness to get us alone, to be able to speak to us. So that way we can respond to him. And I love this. He says, I will transform her vineyard. I will return her vineyards which means I'm going to return my favor to her in this place. I'm going to return my hand of blessing to her in this place. And it says this, and, and I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Yes. You guys got to get this. Yes. I will transform the valley of trouble, which in most translations says the valley of Acor into a gateway of hope. Yes. So what is the Lord saying here? You guys got to get this. The valley of Achor, which translates to trouble or disaster. What is the valley of Achor? The valley of Achor, it represents the place that Israel was first unfaithful to the Lord in the promised land. You remember where God brought them into the promised land? The very first victory that he gave them was the battle of Jericho where they marched around the walls of Jericho, right? And the walls came falling down. And if you read that story, the Lord says, says two things. Two things I'm commanding you. Number one, don't take anything that's meant for destruction. And don't take anything, don't take any of the sacred things that are meant for me. But what happens is there's this man named Achan... And without anybody knowing, he takes some of those sacred things because of his greed, because of his pride, because of his sin that's in his heart. He takes some of the sacred things that the Lord commanded them not to take. And he goes and he buries them by his tent. And then this is what happens. So now the the very next battle is the battle of A-I, A-I, it's pronounced A-I. And, and in this battle, Joshua sends spies into the land to spy out the people. And they come back and they say, Joshua, we got this. <laughs> Dude, we don't even need to send a quarter of our army for this one. We got this one. So Joshua sends in just a portion of the army. And what happens? They get whooped. They get whooped because the favor of the Lord has left them because of their disobedience, right? And I need to get—I need to get along with this. But, but so, so what happens is Joshua cries out to God, and he's saying, "God, I don't understand what's going on." The Lord reveals to him that it's Achan that disobeyed me. And if you go to his tent, you'll find some of the things that I told you guys not to take. And this is where we get the term "sin" in the camp. There's sin in your camp. So, because of Achan's disobedience, he was put to death. And he was put to death in the Valley of Acor. Yes. So God is saying this, I will transform the Valley of Acor into a gateway of hope. Yes. This is God's heart. His heart is restoration. And he's saying this, he's saying, listen, I, I will take you back to the very first place that you were unfaithful to me. Yes. I'm going to take you back to that place because I want to restore restore our marriage. I want to restore our relationship completely. And I'm going to transform that place into a gateway of hope. Into a gateway of hope. So he's saying this, he's saying I want to transform the valley into a gateway. And some of us feel that that we're in a valley right now, right? We're in a valley season in our life right now. But I really believe that the Lord is saying this, don't look at it as a valley. Look at it as a gateway, a gateway of hope, a gateway of destiny, a gateway of of my plan for your life. There's things that are happening in this valley instead of crying out to me saying, take me out of this valley, Lord. Just say, no, Lord, see me through this gateway. See me through this. Amen. So then he says that he will give herself to me there, which means that, that we will respond to him in this place. We will surrender to him in this place. And he says, he says this, that, that she will respond to me like she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. And when that day comes, says the Lord, you'll call me husband, not my master. He wants to restore the joy of our salvation. He wants to set us free. Some of us for the very first time. Do you understand the joy that's on the other side of your surrender? The peace that's on the other side of your surrender, the freedom, real freedom. That's on the other side of your surrender to him. And For some of us, he's saying, do you remember when I first set you free? That feeling that you had, that joy that you had, that fire that you had inside. I want to restore the joy of my salvation to you, but I need you to submit to me again and I love this he says you'll call me my husband not my master other translations say not my Baal They'll call me my husband, not my Baal. And I believe that this has two meanings because, again, remember, Baal is the, the false gods, the little g's that they served at the time, right? They served idols and they set up idols to, to Baal, these false gods, right? So what God is saying is this. He says, I want, I want you to call me husband. I want you to call me the, your one true God, not just one of many gods. I want to be your only husband. I want you to be faithful to me and to me alone. The second thing that I believe the Lord is saying here, he says, listen, I want this to be a relationship of intimacy, not obligation. I want you to call me husband, not master. I want you to love me from a place of free choice, free will, not force. Right? I said this before. We we're actually watching uh, part of the show with Aladdin in it last night and When the genie comes out, one of the things he always says is, one, one of the things I can't make you do, I'll give you three wishes, but one of the things I can't make anybody do is I can't make anybody fall in love with you. But if you think about it, it's so deep, right? Because love could never be forced. Without free will, without a choice, it's not really love, right? That's why love is so powerful. Because it always comes from a place of choosing, a place of free choice, right? So he's saying, listen, I want you to, to love me freely, not by force. I want you to be my bride, yes. not my slave. Right. That's good. Let me say this. God wants your heart, yes, he not just your hands. Come on. Do you receive that today? God wants your heart. Not just your hands, not just what you do. He wants your heart. That's what matters to him. So in verse 19 and 20, it says, I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion. I will be faithful to you and I'll make you mine and you will finally know me as the Lord. God is saying, listen, I want to, I want to go ahead. I just want to rebuild your foundation." I want to rebuild your foundation. I want to restore our relationship. I want to restore intimacy to our relationship. He's saying, and you will finally know me. See, anytime we we read that word, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, where it says know me and it's talking about the Lord, it's always talking about an experiential type of knowledge, right? It's always talking about a a knowing that you can only know through intimacy, not hearing or not seeing, but you have to be there with that person yourself he's saying and you will finally know me later on in the book it says in chapter 4 verse 6 my people are being destroyed because they don't know me they don't know me that's god's heart he wants us to know him but let me summarize this more because we're getting to the best part you guys this is this is really the part that everything comes to a climax okay so you got to get this you got to get this what happens is gomer falls away even further though she completely turns her back now. I mean, her heart is not even back with Hosea, with her children anymore. She's living the life, and she's living a life of prostitution, and, and which unfortunately turns into now a life of slavery. Any time that we give in to our sinful desires, we become a slave to sin. Whether you think it or not. There's bondage that comes along with that choice, always. There's shackles that come along with that choice. There's chains that come along with that choice. So in chapter 3, we're at a place now where Hosea has every right, every biblical right to divorce Gomer. He has every right to divorce her, to just cut her off. But what does God do? God tells Hosea, no, because Hosea, you represent me and you represent my heart. So I want you to love her, even though I want you to go and find her, Hosea, because that's what I do for my people. And listen to what it says here in chapter three, verse one, it says, then the Lord said to me. Go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I can imagine now, Hosea, He puts on his clothes, he packs a couple things, maybe he has a backpack, and he sets off to go find his bride. And he sets off, and he knows that he's going to have to go to some of the, the worst places to try to find her. And he sets off, and he begins to call her name, Gomer. Gomer, it's me, Hosea, it's your husband. Gomer, I just want you to know that I love you. I love you even though you turn your back. It's okay. I love you, Gomer. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, Gomer. And I can see he's going, he's going, and he goes to the darkest alleys and the worst parts of town, and maybe he goes to some of the houses that, that, that maybe she was known to visit in the past, and I can see him knocking on doors. And when nobody answers, I can see him kicking in doors to go in and saying, have you seen my wife? Have you seen my wife? And I can see people saying, hey, hey, man, I know who you are, Hosea. I, I, we don't want no trouble, man. Like, I, I didn't even know you guys were together still, you know? Like, yeah, I, I saw her like a week ago, but, man, I, I swear I didn't know, man. I didn't know you guys were even still a thing, man. And I can see Hosea leaving, right? Gomer! It's me, your husband. I love you, Gomer. I'm coming after you, Gomer. Don't worry, I'm coming after you. I can see him knocking on more doors. I can see him kicking in doors. Have you seen my wife? Have you seen my bride? Hey, Hosea, man. Like, honestly, I, I, I saw her yesterday, man. I had no idea, though. And, and I hate to break this to you, man, but, but I think, I'm pretty sure, man, she's over. In the slave auction right now. I hate to break it to you man. But you better go. And I could see Hosea just full of. Resi- resilience and full of just determination. Just going and going. To the slave auction. And as he begins to walk up. I can see him in a distance. See Gomer. And she's just standing there. On the slave block. On the auction block. With her head down. Shackles, chains around her, just full of shame. And I could just see the, auction, the auctioneer saying, all right, we got another one here that we're going to auction off. And this one we better start the bidding pretty low on. So they start the bidding for her. Nobody even bids anything. And Hosea sees her and I could see as he's seeing her in a distance. He had every right in that moment to just say, you know what? The hurt is too much. The pain is just too much. The sin against me is just too much. But No. That's not his heart, that's not the heart of God. So as Gomer is standing there from a distance, I can hear Hosea. All by her. That's my bride. All by her. And it says here in verse 2 so I bought her back. Do you realize? That the word redeem literally means to buy back. See, this story is not about Hosea and Gomer. I'm Gomer. You're Gomer. This story is pointing to Jesus. You got to see this. He's our redeemer. He's the one that buys us back. You got to see this. And the price is substantial. It says, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver, five bushes of barley, and a measure of wine. This price is substantial, you guys. 15 pieces of silver, five bushes of barley, five bushes of barley. The price that he paid equaled exactly 30 pieces of silver. The exact amount that Jesus was betrayed for the night before he was put to death. And the measure of wine represents his blood that was shed for us. This is no ordinary love. This is extraordinary love. I'm closing so if I could call the band out. John 3:16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so so loved the world. I love that it reads this way because it's just again it's one of those things where you just you can't put a word in front of love to fully describe his love. He's so so loves us. He'll do whatever it takes to buy us back. This is the heart of a husband for his bride. He's our redeemer. He's the one that buys us back.
1: This has been New Hope Radio, a ministry of New Hope Christian Fellowship. You're invited to worship with them at 22110 Montgomery Street in Hayward. Services are held Sundays at 10 a.m. For other service times and more information, see New Hope Christian Fellowship online at nhcfonline.org. That's nhcfonline.org. Join us next week at this time for New Hope Radio here on AM 1100 KFAX.